Episode 7, second to last episode. Firstly, for any of you who don't know what this series is, it's a sleep series slash background noise series. It features standalone episodes following a guy named Enzo Bozan wandering a town called Pella's Wish and he enjoys lingering around the many liminal spaces throughout the town. Um, so that's for you guys who don't know what this series is. And in each episode there is no there is no other character. No sorry, there is only there was only one character and no plot. And in that way it has been both fun and challenging for me to write. But now let me just say that the next episode, episode 8, it's uh, I know it's meant to be a sleep series, but um, the episode 8 is actually not supposed, is not meant to be a sleep episode, funny as that may seem. Although it is still a, a, sta- a standalone episode, so you can just tune in at that, at that very last episode and you, you'll be hearing a... Okay, I can't spoil too much about what episode 8 is going to be. But let me just say that for a story that for the most part doesn't have a plot and only one character, this last episode is not going to have... I mean, it's going to have a plot. So there's going to be a conclusion to the story of Enzo Bozan. And I'd like for you to listen to the end of episode 8. And now, with all that said and done, let's get on with episode 7. Episode 7, Cinema Hall Sitting on the curb across from the backside of Daydream Plaza, Anzo Bazan stares at the windows and walls and sips on his cup of coffee. On his right, there is a jungle gym and on his left, there is an empty billboard. The last time there was an advertisement displayed on the board, it was an advertisement of Daydream Plaza itself. Evidently, the advertisement was a flop, as Daydream Plaza was still as empty as it was when it first came up, and it still is now. This plaza was born on a deathbed, just like many other businesses here in this town, Pella's wish. But the big question is, why don't they ever die? There are parts of this town that feel like a fever dream, a hallucination of gloriously empty days in the past, memories blurred and distorted by time, steeped in emotions. And Enzo Bazan here is a sponge to these invisible gases, much like everyone else who decided to reside in Pella's Wish. The sky is grey today, with wispy white lines where there are silver linings in the clouds. The distant sun is only a blurry blob. On days like this, Enzo tends to take slow drives on long roads. And he also tends to stay indoors, not particularly at home, but inside other places. When he is outdoors, he sits and stares off into the distance, as the grayness of the day and the grayness of distant structures blend together and form an interesting art piece. Then again, Enzo is like this on many days, despite the weather. Holding the coffee cup up to his eyes, he examines it back and forth and finds no design on it. No logo or text, nothing. Only plain black cardboard. How carefree this coffee shop must be to not bother about promoting the brand in the most basic of ways. A logo on the takeaway cups is the least a coffee shop should do, isn't it? He gulps down the remainder of his coffee and tosses the plain cup into the trash can behind him. 
and then he stands up and walks along the sidewalk towards the jungle gym and sits on the swing beside it. Over here he thinks back about the time, as a kid, he had fresh bruises on his face and knuckles from a fight with a bully at school. At the end of school, he had sat in the swings alone outside. Mulling over the incident with the bully, he had a blank expression on his face, much like how the grey sky looks right now. Should he be happy that he had retaliated, that he wasn't a pushover? Or should he have been afraid that he had explored a rageful side of himself, a part of himself he had never known existed? Could he have sorted out the predicaments in a cleverer manner? For the days to come, he would sit there and think about it over and over again. Even when the bruises had faded from his knuckles and face and he had never gotten into another fight with another bully, he would sit there and think about it. It was the right thing to do, wasn't it? Indeed, not another bully would lay his fist on him ever again. Along the years, even after he had left that particular school, he had found that not even bullies in the other schools would pick on him. Did he carry himself more confidently now? Although he was still shy and reclusive, never loud or unnecessarily outspoken, he had realized that he was now more indifferent to the foolishly rowdy. Perhaps this was how he avoided being their prey. He simply ignored them. He was in a different world from them. He was in a quiet place where they couldn't barge down his door and get to him. Gripping onto the chain of the swing, he crosses his feet and looks down at the small patch of grass beneath him. Who would he have been now if he hadn't gotten bruised up that day? If he hadn't sat in the swings at the park mulling over the incident? Removing one small thing in the past could have brought him to an entirely different world in the present, like pulling a string and undoing a knot. He must be grateful for all of his experiences, whether good or bad, as it has all brought him to this peaceful moment in this dead playground. He stands up and begins walking towards the empty billboard ahead. When walking on the sidewalk on the far side opposite from Daydream Plaza, there is a, ga there is a gas station there. In this grey foggy day, the building is barely visible. All he can see are pillars, walls and a roof. But that is all he needs to see to resemble it to the gas station he used to stop at occasionally when walking back home from school as a teenager. Anzo does not wish to revisit this memory right now though, and so he looks ahead at the long broad road. At the very end of it is a crossway. Above the crossway is an overpass. Past the billboard, Enzo walks on for another five minutes and then doubles back and crosses the road to get back to Daydream Plaza. Over there, he makes his way around from the back side of the plaza to the parking lot in front, where his car is parked. He enters his car and reaches the back seat to grab a book. The front cover of the book features a familiar-looking art gallery, although Enzo cannot tell for sure whether he has really been there or not. Even the art in the art gallery look familiar, but none that he can recall ever having seen before. He opens the book up to the first page and studies the first painting feature in the collection of artworks. It is a piece composed only of colored dots, and all the dots put together suggest a picture of a building. After Enzo puts down the book of artwork collections, he looks through the windshield to find that the sky has darkened. 
He had picked up the book while the sun was still high up in the sky and now it has become twilight without his knowing. This is just how far Enzo can lose track of time when he gets absorbed by something. Putting the book down at the passenger's seat beside him, he rests his arm out through his open window and lays his other hand on the steering wheel. He takes a big whiff of the cold, fresh air before starting his car engine and turning on his headlights. Without a destination in mind, he drives out of his parking space and onto the road exiting the parking lot. This is where his long, meandering drive begins. There are places that are just as glorious as the ones Enzo visits regularly. It is just that it takes a longer drive to reach them. And he has to be in the mood for a particularly long drive to get there in the first place. This is just the kind of mood he is in right now, and so at the crossroads down the road, he turns right. And then five minutes down this path, he makes a U-turn to get onto the road that will lead him to the overpass. Driving along the overpass, Daydream Plaza is but a grey figure in the distance with a dim orange glow to it. It is coming up on his left. As he approaches, he slows down and casts his gaze in that direction. In time, the images of Daydream Plaza and his memories will be just like what he is looking at right now. Just a dull shape with a lamppost surrounding it throwing their warm lights onto the walls. Beautiful as the plaza may be, as it is now, the image of it in his memories will age like wine. It will then be to him another kind of beauty, one that is not physical but emotional. Further along the overpass, he is coming across the gas station. To this day, Enzo is unsure about whether it is still a functioning business or not, as he has only visited it once before to fill his car. That was two years ago. Even then, it seemed like he was the only one to visit it in the past two years from that day. Not that he didn't like being there. He did, but there are a lot more better places to be. At the end of the overpass, he drives down the downslope and follows the road to the right turning from behind the corner of a blue flat building which was once a bowling alley that has now been abandoned for a full year. Enzo is just surprised that he hasn't been abandoned for longer than that. He had been there twice before to play a game of bowling by himself, partly just to keep the business open as he had liked the place. Now when he looks through the twin doors of glass, it is empty. The only resemblances it shares to a bowling alley now are the tracks that lead to pitch darkness and the racks that are meant to hold the bowling balls. That is all it is now. It is a shame, as Enzo had enjoyed the two lonely games of bowling over here. Although it is still a place that he can sit and linger inside and let a few daydreams carry him away. On the same row as this abandoned bowling alley, there is an ice skating rink. Another blue flat building that looks as dead as the other but that is not abandoned. It is still a functioning business and just like every other business in this town, it leaves Enzo wondering how they survive. In contrast to its twin sister, this ice skating rink has tall tinted glass windows that run from top to bottom. Of course, from what you can see through those windows, there are no customers inside, though the lights are on. Then again, it is only the time of day that it would be empty. Apart from that, it's not the deadest business in Bella's wish. It's actually not surprising that it's still running. If Enzo could skate, he really wouldn't mind giving it a shot, but he can't. The most he could do is take a seat there, but in an ice skating rink, that would just be awkward. The rest of the shops along this row are nothing particularly interesting. 
There is a pharmacy, a convenience store, a plant shop. The rest of them are closed. Enzo progresses further along the road, casting his vacant stare at park benches, at distant hills, at trees, at potholes. Once, Enzo had driven so far that he had found himself in the middle of nowhere. He would have gotten lost there if it wasn't a straightforward path. Even worse if his tank wasn't filled. He hadn't gone this far before. Over there, he stopped his car at the roadside to think about how, how far he had gotten. Then when he looked out through his window, he saw a quaint little cabin sitting neatly by a cornfield. The whole scene looked like something out of a boring but fine painting. It wasn't an old-fashioned cabin, though rather modern-looking. He exited and locked up his car and then proceeded on foot towards the cabin as though compelled to do so. The closer he got, the more it seemed to be out of place. Just the idea of it alone, a neat modern-looking cabin in the middle of nowhere, it made him feel that it wasn't supposed to be here. When he finally reached it, he hadn't expected that there was nobody staying there, at least not at that point in time, as the cornfield was relatively well-kept. If the occupants had left it to go on a trip, they didn't lock the doors, which was very strange. Nonetheless, Enzo stayed in this house until nighttime and then drove back to Pella's wish. Once again, Enzo finds himself driving too far from home. Dusk has long become night. The quaint little cabin in the middle of nowhere shouldn't be too far from here. This just just how far he had driven. Still and all, he doesn't turn back. He intends to go a little further than before this time. And when he comes across the cabin, this time the dark night, he expected to be so hidden in the fog and the blackness that he wouldn't be able to see it. But there it is, shining in the night like a glowing stone in the deep dark ocean. It has its lights on this time. There is also a car parked right outside. It wasn't abandoned after all, though he didn't suppose that it was in the first place. It was, as he recalled, too neat, tidy, and well-kept to have been abandoned, which means that he had, had technically trespassed when he had entered it and lingered inside before. Even so, he gets the feeling that the occupants wouldn't mind it, and so had no criminal intention after all. He was simply wandering through. It is something that many a wanderer does around here. It must be expected, especially when leaving the doors unlocked. In fact, it may very well have been their generous intention, odd as it may seem. Who would be living in there? What beautifully simple life must they live? Is it a family? Perhaps a reclusive individual? It must be a family, a close-knit one at that. This is Anzo's presumption, as when he had rested inside the house for a while, he found that there were items of varying types, items belonging to individuals with different interests. There were a few books relating to philosophy as well as children's books. There were, finally enough, several electronic devices and computers that were surprisingly high-tech in relation to where they were located. Even the fridge looked like something straight out of an expensive electronic shop. It all made the home seem all the more misplaced in this faraway land. But this was just what made it all the more magical. 
Just like he did before, he parks his car at the roadside and stares at the glowing house. Over here, he toys with the idea of strolling up to the house and knocking on the door. He is sure that he would be greeted with an overwhelmingly welcoming family. A grinning man, grinning wife, grinning children. And they would invite him in and serve him a scrumptious dinner. They would hold wholesome conversations. Stranger than a stranger, Anzo should seem to them, but they wouldn't hold any suspicion over him. Anzo would return to his car the next day, a lazy smile resting on his face, his belly glutted with a breakfast as equally scrumptious as last night's dinner. But aside from all of this, Anzo would not feel comfortable going ahead with his idea. He would feel like he is barging into the liars, although they may not see it that way. Furthermore, Enzo would much prefer to spend the night alone. It takes a lot of energy to meet new people, to share conversations, to smile the entire night away. Enzo would rather not have that. Tonight, instead, he will drive further down the road and then he will either find an empty place to loiter or he will turn back. Above all, wouldn't it be more like Enzo to find pleasure in discovering a new empty place rather than having a dinner with a family he has only just met? And so Enzo turns his car back onto the road and begins again his aimless traveling. For a very long time, there is nothing but trees on either side of the road, and no tree looks particularly different from the other. How easy it would be to get lost in these woodlands. To think that this were once the homes of the prehistoric people. They must have been tremendous at navigating nature's maze. It was once an essential skill for them. And then from their hardships birth primitive technology. A skill that was once necessary became less so. And later in their strife for convenience, technology would develop and become less primitive. And this is how humanity and society evolved. Or some may say devolved from their growing dependence on these developments. One thing that everyone can agree on, at least, is that the human psyche is not what it was that long ago. If Enzo were in the prehistoric times, he would be a hermit spending his days and nights wandering the woodlands, admiring all shapes and sizes of trees. In terms of how he would contribute to a developing society, perhaps long after Enzo had gone the way of all flesh, a stranger would come across a book he had made, of poetry or of art. That would be, perhaps, how he contributed to an ever-evolving society, a tiny brick in a brick castle. There must have been such an instance as that, a hermit compiling books throughout its lonely life, and a stranger coming across them long after the hermit had passed. That small, seemingly inconsequential occurrence must have contributed to what the world is today. Without it, this place wouldn't be the same. In that sense, everything small builds up to something bigger along the years. That is both a stifling thought as well as a motivational one. Enzo leans forward to look through the windshield and up at the moon. He thinks back about a time he had looked through the window of his childhood room, a time he couldn't sleep after hours of lying in bed and staring at the ceiling. Then he had gotten up from bed and went to sit by his window. He looked at the moon for a moment before going to his bookcase and picking out a book about a dragon and a prince. The typical sort of children's bedtime story, but one that he enjoyed nonetheless. 
As he read it and studied the colorful pictures, his eyelids grew heavier. He especially admired the backgrounds of the pictures of the distant castles, houses, hills. And when he came across a picture of a house under the white crescent moon, he felt especially steepy, although he wanted to admire the painting for much longer. After what feels like three hours of driving, Anzo slows down as he is coming up to an odd house at the roadside. This house seems even more detached and out of place than the cabin before, as this one is even neater and modernized than the other. He parks his car across the street from the off-white house and kills the engine and headlights. He runs his eyes along the minimum details, the dark grey accents of the window frames, the roof, the railing of the top floor balcony. The curtained windows glow orange. Anzo looks through them to see if there is anybody inside. There must be, not unless the occupant had purposely left the lights on and then left to dupe any potential burglars, for instance. This place is oddly familiar to Enzo, almost eerie in a way. Studying the house from top to bottom, he sits in his car and contemplates why it is familiar to him. Surely he has never been here before. It must resemble somewhere he has been to though, at least in the slightest sense. This is when he remembers a scene quite similar, but that is not identical. Of him as a kid visiting a distant relative's house in the middle of nowhere, even if that home did not resemble this one completely, it bore the same air about it. An air of mystery, a secret about its age, as though it is so old that it has become sentient and wise and wishes to be left alone until the end of time. At this relative's house, Enzo spent more of his time outside rather than inside. There was a swing outside, chained up to a simple wooden frame. He had sat in it, bored and staring at the lights through the window. Then he had sat at the picnic table with his face buried sideways in his arms. He had slept like that for an hour and woke up to find that he still wasn't going back home yet. He looked around and at his parents' car. It didn't seem that he was going back anytime soon, and so he had finally gone inside the house to see what he had missed while he was gone. With his window down, Enzo sits inside the car and looks at the windows, expecting at least a shadow to show up through the curtains, but it never does. Resting his head down sideways against the steering wheel, his eyelids fall heavy and eventually his mind is taken too far away from here. He dreams that he gets out of the car, walks across the street and towards the door. Without knocking, he simply twists the doorknob and enters the home. But what greets him does not make any sense, as the interior is much larger than what is presented outside. This home is not supposed to be this big, and furthermore not this dark. There are lamps, a few and far between, some of them hovering in the air, no stands holding, it, holding them in place. Most of them are at the windows, windows that seem to be more prevalent inside the house and not outside. Where there are no lights, there is deep darkness through which you can see the contours of a few furniture. Confused as to how different the house looked in comparison to what he saw outside, Enzo doubles back and out the door for a moment. 
Standing on the road, he eyes the structure from top to bottom and scratches his head, frowning. Finally, he shrugs it off and enters it again. Closing the door behind him, he takes slow steps into the darkness whilst feeling around the edges of surrounding furniture. The further he goes, the more the light is concentrated on him, but the darker everything else becomes, until he sees in the distance a staircase leading up to the next floor. Approaching the staircase, the light concentrated onto him from above him disseminates and illuminates his surroundings. He appears to be walking through a corridor that much resembles a school hallway, with red lockers and blue trimmings along the upper walls. The staircase far ahead of him is broad and grand, calling for his attention. But Enzo being Enzo takes his time to get there. Instead, he trails his fingers along the locker doors and stops every once in a while to look through the windows in the classroom doors. All the classroom door windows are blank though, as if they are wallpapers rather than glass. He rests his hand on one of the doorknobs, twists it and pushes the door open. There is only pitch darkness behind them. He is sure that if he were to take a step inside, he would fall into the void. He would rather not have that right now. And so he closes the door and approaches the staircase at the end of the corridor again. He finally reaches it and treads it up to a quainter version of the corridor below, this time broader and more detailed. The floor is tiled and checkered black and red, as at the end of the corridor there is a tainted glass window, a red one with sunlight streaming through it. Because of this, there is red light being thrown everywhere, across the floor, walls, ceiling, doors, lockers. Holding his hand out towards the tainted glass window, he watches how it colors his skin red and black. And then he sits cross-legged on the floor and back against the wall, watching his hand as in turning it up and down. How interesting it is that he is only made up of two colors when in the red light. Sitting there, he looks down at his two palms until he is awake in his car, daylight spilling through his windshield. Turning the car around, Enzo drives back. He has an idea for where to go this time. A few places, in fact. But first and foremost, he needs his fill of coffee for the day. The closer he gets back home, the lesser the tree is, the more the quiet town comes unheading. At first, only a skyline in the distance with its dead structures, some short and some tall. Half an hour later, he is back at the ice skating rink and bowling alley, as quiet as they were yesterday. Coming here again, he realizes that he hadn't been here for a while before yesterday. It must have been a few weeks at least. The last time he was here, he had spent his day in his car across from the street from the bowling alley. It seems enticing to him to do this again, though he has another plan on mind. Not far from here, within the same area, there is a mini golf course beside an abandoned clubhouse. This is Enzo's first stop. Parking his car at the clubhouse, he strolls towards the cars and then follows the walkway until he finds a little red seat to rest in. Over here, he stares at the wooden boards and the tiny obstacles that comprise the course. Anzo has played mini golf once in his life, alone, 
he had been good at it, though he summed it up to beginner's luck and didn't want to develop the talent any longer. Just as he got tired of seeing the golf ball rolling into the hole, he had stopped and sat down. He didn't pick the golf stick back up after that. He stayed there and stared at the grass until the day became night. That had been at another golf course some four years ago. It was at Confetti Street, which was closer towards the other side of the town from where he is right now. Confetti Street is where he is planning to go later, but the day has just begun and he has all the time in the world to get there later. Stretching his arms up and then resting his interlock hands behind his head, he casts his gaze over at the clubhouse and takes a deep breath. He then gets up and doubles back along the walkway to get to the clubhouse. He looks up at the green roof standing at the foot of the building and then wanders through the open entrance and over to one of the windows. Over here he looks at the rows of houses several blocks away across a pond and bench. That neighborhood over there is one of the more active communities here in Palatwish, and so Enzo tends to avoid coming across it. From this distance though, he can't see anybody there. Then again, people here are mostly house cats. They rather stay indoors and so it is funny that the neighborhood is considered an active community in Enzo's eyes. In the corner of this room there is a chair which Enzo approaches and looks at how dirty it is. There isn't much dust but he tips it over on its four legs to let whatever dirt on it fall away and then he props it back up against the wall and sits in it. He thinks about his most recent dream, but what could have inspired such a scenario? Of course it had elements of his school days, but the staircase was an element of something else. It was the one thing that didn't fit into the scene. The staircases in his school were not as grand and broad as that one. It must have been something he had seen at a museum or the likes perhaps. Now it is time for Enzo to head over to Monozuelo Street to take a few cups of coffee from the stall there. How could he have forgotten about his coffee? This was supposed to be the first part of his plan. After buying four takeaway coffees, two black and two with milk, he sits at a curb in Monozuelo Street to sip away one of his black coffees while looking up at a lamppost beside a tree. An urban object alongside a natural object the two of them side by side. What are the conversations that they hold every day like? Do they observe passers-by and their daily routines? Do they watch every single car that passes them by? Do they ponder about the deadness of this urban land? Are they looking at Enzo right now and thinking, what a peculiar man? Gulping down the last few drops of his coffee, he throws the empty cup into a trash can and gets back into his car. There is a place on the far side of Confetti Street that Enzo had lingered in for a short moment two weeks ago. It was a weekend then and he had been there at dusk. It is a place that receives a few guests at nighttime on the weekends and it is known for its clean and big cinema halls. It is open on the weekdays, but of course not many people will be there. Not as many as there are on the weekends. Enzo enters the movie theater with his ticket for a romantic drama film. He arrives at his seat in the hall 20 minutes before showtime. When he had seen the availability of seats, there was only one seat taken, which meant that there may or may not be another person coming into this hall. 
It is likely that they may not make it, but just as Enzo thinks this, he hears the doors open and shut behind him. He doesn't look back as he hears footsteps descending the aisle staircase until it is silent. Whoever it is has taken a seat at the far end of where Enzo is. They must have seen him sitting there. Nonetheless, Enzo is slightly comforted to know that there is someone else watching this film with him. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pillars Wish for a Liminal World. The next episode is going to be the last, so stay tuned.